this doesn't make sense to me, this seems dumb, I have seen a better way, and so I'll just do the better way. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huber. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Ryan Dice. How are you? Good, buddy. Good to see you. You too. So got to take it back. I assume you like came out of the womb, landed in the uh, delivery room, and we're like, all right, get the camera. We're going to talk about this. We're going to teach you guys how to give birth. Like, Did you start from the beginning? You were a digital marketer teaching everyone? Or <laughs> Take me back. Where, where were you born? <laughs> so uh, born in Houston, Texas. Yeah. And, you know, my, my journey as a marketer and as an entrepreneur didn't start at birth, but man, not too long after. Yeah. It's kind of funny. My, my parents, when I was a, when I was a kid, they got, they got divorced. I was like two and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and this isn't like some, they were great parents, you know, loved yeah. me, were totally cool with each other. Everything was fine. This isn't some nice. sob story. But the reality of the situation is that I spent uh, half the time at my dad's and half the time at my mom's. There was joint uh-huh. custody. And so I would, when I slept at my, uh, when I was with my dad for two weeks and I go two weeks at each place, it was actually great. Yeah. But when I was yeah. at my dad's, he had to be at work at like 6 a.m. Uh-huh. And I would always get the school bus at my mom's. And so he'd get up and I'd have to wake up at like, you know, five o'clock in the morning. He'd drive me over to my mom. She'd open the door and let me in. And I'd just sit, you know, on the couch and watch TV. Well, what's the only thing on TV at like five o'clock in the morning? Think back to like the you know, 1980s. Infomercials, man. That's it. Like my, I remember being so excited when cartoons, like it gets to a point when cartoons would come on and that's when I yeah. usually had to catch the bus. But prior to that, my childhood education was Ron Popeil, you know, and all these other like short form infomercials. And I was just fascinated by them. And I remember wanting, you know, wanting to buy them and wanting to do it. And so I really do. I can trace so much back to them. How old were you when that came? I mean, it, it would have started. I mean, when I was in first grade, second grade, yeah, going right. all the way up until I was, you know, pretty much driving. So yeah. a long time, you know, a yeah. long time. And, uh, and I thought it was fun. I thought it was really, really cool. And were you, so were you interested in the products or you actually were like, I love how they're thinking about putting these at, like, were you interested in the marketing of it? Yeah. I mean, so it's hard for me. Like now what I would love to say is like, oh, I instantly got it and saw the beauty of marketing and great copywriting and salesmanship. No, I think I was by and large fascinated by the products. I mean, I can remember yeah. the products, um, yeah. the, you know, electric food dehydrator and the Floby haircutting. Th- I mean, there's always just bizarre stuff, oh, yeah. you know, back then. And so I think it, I think it was the products that might've hooked me in. And I think I largely learned the marketing and the copywriting side, certainly the direct response, uh, uh-huh. by osmosis, just watching them again and again and again. And what did your dad do that took him out at five something in the morning, every morning? He was an electrician. I mean, so he, cool. yeah, my dad was an electrician. Mom was a, was a school teacher. So came from a, right. you know, pretty solid middle-class uh, background, uh-huh. you know, never went without, but you know, it's not like we were going on fancy Aspen vacations like somebody else I know. <laughs> I think you're getting there now at this point in your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and you know, as you were growing up, did you have like, did you have those childhood, I think I'm going to grow up to be this or that? Like, did you like, what, what were your passions as growing up? Obviously, I get where the marketing undertone was, but what else were you into? So uh, when I was a kid, my uh, anytime anybody asked me what I wanted to be, I, I would say a paleontologist. Okay. And this was when I could almost uh, barely speak, because like every kid, I was into dinosaurs. Yeah. And um, somebody told me that, oh, you should be a paleontologist. And I remember okay. sitting in my room, just learning how to say the word the right way, so yeah. I could sound like I knew what I was talking about to adults. 
I always enjoyed talking to adults as a kid. Uh-huh. I remember that, like wanting to engage adults in real conversation. Uh, so that was my first thing um, that I wanted to do. And, and later in life, like I really didn't know when I was in, in uh, high school, I thought I was going to go uh, to seminary. Like I was going to do vocational ministry was uh-huh. what I really felt, you know, kind of called to. I, I thought about even going into the army. So I spent the better part of, I wasn't one of these people who knew coming out of high school and even going into college what I wanted to be. But I always sold stuff. You know, like my best friend was artistic and he made like origami stuff. And I remember in our apartment complex, I was like, we can sell that. Let's go door to door and sell that. Uh-huh. And so that's always what I was doing. When did that start? Because that's, that's a common thread all the time. When did you start selling yeah, fourth, stuff? Fourth grade was yeah. the first time I remember. It was the summer, it was actually the summer between third and fourth grade. Because that was when I, uh-huh. you know, that was when Jordan became my best friend. And, yeah. uh, you know, and so I can remember because we met in third grade. And so it was that summer because we realized we lived in the same apartment complex that, that we didn't have anything to do. And so he was making yeah. stuff and I was selling it. And uh, that kind of always was, was there. That was always an aspect of it. But I was always terrified of people. Like I was nervous. I remember knocking on the door and being like, I hope they don't open. I hope they don't open. I hope they don't open. Yeah. So what drove you? If you're, if you don't like the people, like, was it the money or was it the game? I always wanted money. It's funny. I always wanted money. I never wanted stuff though. Right. And it was the intrinsic value. You wanted to make money. You didn't not for something just to make it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, you know, it's not like I'm, I was particularly athletic kid. So I think it was maybe my sport. Yeah. And so, yeah, I always wanted to earn you know, I always wanted to make money. I never, there was never anything that I wanted that, that, you know, but yeah, I always want to make money. Nice. Got it. And so how did that, I'm curious how that progressed. Like you went from selling origami, what other, you know, sort of side jobs did you have growing up or hustle? My family had a, a, a tree farm uh, on my mm-hmm. mom's side. And so I've dug an enormous number of ditches, uh, <laughs> laid a lot of uh, PVC pipe for water and irrigation systems and just planted, uh-huh. you know, and pruned a lot of trees. And so I've done the hardcore manual labor. And so yep. one thing that I knew very early on is this sucks. Like, <laughs> You know, and I had, you know, I had chores, like I'd mow the lawn and all this other yep. stuff. So I, most of the jobs that I had were that, like if I was making extra money, it was generally a labor uh, type job. Yep. And that was all throughout, throughout high school. And then when I got to college, I, I didn't really work the first year. And then I realized I was broke and I didn't have any money. And yep. so I got a job uh, as an intern at a financial services company, which kind of put me back into marketing again. Funny enough, that was, that was what rekindled that. So you were at financial services and saw they needed lead gen or what, what threw you into marketing? Yeah. So the, the, the guy that I was working for was one of the top producers at this particular thing and where he got all of his clients was doing these little, um, luncheons. So he'd Uh do a, you know, a chicken lunch for a bunch of, uh, you know, old rich people. Yeah. And he would fill them by primarily postcard marketing. And I remember he needed somebody to kind of run these different postcard marketing campaigns, which literally was printing out postcards, putting on stamps, sending them in the, in the mail. And yep. I remember, I don't, I got introduced to like Dan Kennedy and Gary Halbert. I don't even quite remember how, uh, I think mm-hmm. I must've bought some infomercial thing and got their direct mail back in the day. <laughs> and I remember always wanting to buy some of these different courses. And, uh, and I got this guy, I was like, Hey, I, I, I want to do, try some new things. Would, would you be willing to buy some of these courses for me? And I remember him being just completely offended that some of these like books would be like 200 bucks or something like that. He did it. Yeah, he did it. And and I'll be forever thankful uh, to Mr. Williams 
for providing me essentially the seed capital to my education. And, uh, and it paid off for him too. And how old are you? So at this point I was a, I was 19. Yeah, I was 19. So were you in college as well? Yeah, I was in college at this point. Where were you on? Uh, University of Texas at Austin, where I place I still call home now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I went, when I, started school, I started liberal arts undeclared because I didn't know what I wanted to be, but I thought I was probably going to go into ministry. And then yeah. I knew early on, somebody was like, you don't want to do this. You'll be really bad at it. And they were right. They're like, you don't, you don't have the patience to shepherd a flock. I was like, um, <laughs> well, you can all, it, and this was the guy that was like my mentor. Like he was my yeah. college minister. And he's like, look, Ryan, you can always go back to do ministry. Yeah. They'll always take you. Oh, he's like, funny. you ought to see if you can do some of these other things. And so I, I wanted, I tried to start my own business. So I was a freshman in college and I wanted to start my own, my own business. This is 1999, man. Yeah. Like you're talking about the peak of the dot-com bubble. I'm going to the university of Texas where Michael Dell started Dell computer yeah. company, literally in the dorm room across from me. Like, yeah. so I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to, I'm going to start a dot-com is yeah. what we called them back then. And so I decided the way I was going to get into this is I was going to start working for a dot-com. And so I'm kind of going back. This is before that job in financial yeah. services. You mind if I right. take a, like yeah, yeah, a six please. month step back? Yeah. So I decided I'm going to start my own company. I'm like, I can't do that. But what I'll do, I'll go and work for a dot com because yeah. they're paying out all these stock options. I'm going to be yeah. a billionaire by the time I graduate. <laughs> right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm asking around literally to everybody I know, hey, who's got a dot? And, and again, we didn't call them startups. They yeah. were called dot coms back then. That's how old yeah. I am. So I'm going around, hey, do you know who's got a dot com? Who's hiring into dot com? Who's hiring? By the into way, I think you're like five years older than me, so let's relax on yeah, how well, old you are. <laughs> you're old too, buddy. We're all yeah, old. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. You, that, that wasn't just me. You're, I'm. That's you're true. Yeah. yeah, no, but so I finally found somebody through a friend of a friend of a friend. You know, there was this guy that was starting this company, and he's like, I think he might be hiring a web designer. Do you yep. know how to design websites? And I said, yes, I do, which was completely untrue. But <laughs> the interview wasn't until Thursday, right? Yep. It was like Friday. I was like, surely between now and then I can figure out how to do it. And so yep. I got Adobe Go Live student edition yep. and uh, taught myself how to do very basic websites. He didn't even ask me to do anything. He's like, so you can design websites? Yeah, he's like, you're hired. This company yep. though, was one of the early pioneers of email marketing mm-hmm. of, of uh, what we would now call spam. But right. uh, to their credit, like, they had built software that would harvest email addresses and they had software that would do mass email broadcasting. But their whole thing was they, they wanted to set the standard for, you know, high quality ethical. So they had an unsubscribe link in the bottom. And if somebody uh-huh. unsubscribed, they actually removed them from the list. Wow. Back then, if, if, if you had an unsubscribe and somebody clicked on it, they're like, we got a real one, send them more. So this is yeah. before Can Spam Act or any yeah, of that. Right. So at this point, it's the wild, wild west. People are just figuring yeah. things out. Well, this company did get some funding. I did get some equity. I remember going to New York City, meeting with like InStyle Magazine and the Time Warner yeah. building and you know pitching them all this stuff. I mean, it was a, a big deal. And you're like 18, but, 19 at this point too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was 18 yeah. years old. And then it was clear where things were headed um, with this type of marketing and the company yeah. went, went under. And uh-huh. so I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to, I'm just going to be a web designer. That's what I'll tell people I know how to do. Uh, I still wasn't ever any good at it, but the yeah. nice thing is, is the only websites that I knew how to design were a simple single column website with a headline at the top, body copy and a form. The very yeah. thing that we now know today works the best. Back yeah. then, everybody was doing the splash pages and the yeah. flash and all that. Flash. That's I what, remember Flash was remember really that? popular. 
Yeah. That's what everybody wanted. I didn't know how to do it, but my stuff converted yeah. better than everybody else's. So I got to yeah. keep my job. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm doing website design. The only client I could get, only, the only person who would hire me, because I couldn't do these fancy flash things, uh, was a lactation consultant. Wow. <laughs> which is a 19-year-old now. That was an awkward yeah. client to have. Yeah, it's, it's like, nice and humbling too. Yeah. I mean, now again, with four kids, I, I love those women. I think they're, oh, you know, course. by yeah. large, I think they're, no, they're but great. It's a 19-year-old boy that's excited and like, I have this skill set, I'm going to go market it. And it's like lactation consulting. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm building a website for like, you know, breast pumps and, uh, you know, nipple cream and all this other stuff. So, yeah. so I built this entire website and I charged her 500 bucks for it. Well, got to the end of it. And she's like, I'm sorry, my husband lost, lost his job. I can't afford to pay you. I got to go back to work. But, uh, and I remember being just, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent, like being freaked yeah. out. But what she told me, she said, look, I was writing this book on how to make your own baby food because, you know, as a lactation consultant, once I've taught women how to wean, yeah. I, I don't have a way to help them anymore. So I was, I was working on this book. You can just have it and hopefully you can sell it and make some money. Huh. And to, to, what, I'm, to which I'm thinking like, thanks for nothing. Like what the heck yeah. am I supposed to do with a book on how to make your own baby food? Yeah. But in kind of my, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need to make some money. I built a single one page website. Mm -hmm. I started figuring out how to rank in Alta Vista for how to make your own baby food. Got the site up, got the page up, put a, you know, PayPal link in there. And I don't know think it wasn't the first day, but the second day I remember selling one for 14 bucks and yep. the next day I sold another one. And that was what kind of started my entrepreneurial endeavor. And kind of around the same time that client, my only client, didn't yeah. pay me. That was when I got this job for this financial consultant. So got I've it. got a business that started over here where it's, yeah. you know, a little bit digital publishing yeah. company. And you fell into that necessity too. And I'm learning how to do marketing from this like financial services. And so it's all beginning yeah. to kind of coalesce. So nice. all that at the age of 19. Yeah, which is, I mean, but this is, this is what's fun about this is like that path like there was nothing in your childhood that really predicted that other than your web of infomercials. But like that didn't even drive what you picked in college. It wasn't like, that's it. I'm going to be a marketer. I'm going to get on yeah. infomercials. I'm going to, you know, it was just like, yeah, this is cool. And it, looking backwards, I'm sure it connects the dots. But when you were at 19, you weren't thinking about those infomercials and how that was going to drive anything. No, man, I was just trying to make money. I was trying right. to pay the bills, literally. Yep. I was just looking for a job to pay the bills, especially after you know, that, that business went under and then I lost my only client. When I went yep. to go work for that financial suit, that felt as far away from a dot-com business or yeah. marketing as it could have been. Yep. But things have it's a way of, of, of working out. Yeah. And so so that was at 19. Yeah. Um, I was there. Well, I was there until I graduated. And so by, yeah. And so this whole time I'm, I'm continuing to build these little websites uh -huh. and think like, well, this is fun. I got one on baby food. It's doing pretty well. Maybe I'll do another one on how to make your own sushi. And you know, and I'm just doing these little onesie twosie websites all over the place. I had a couple hundred of them by the time I graduated wow. and I'm making over a hundred thousand dollars a year, not thinking it's real money. Like not thinking it, I'm like, this is not going to last. This is oh, yeah. whatever. And, and working yeah. in financial services, everybody who I was working with, they were all liars. <laughs> like all of these Financial advisors are bragging about how much money they're making, yeah. but in reality, and I only learned this later, what they were telling me they were making was their production. 
And then right. they might be taking home 30 to 40% of that. Well, I didn't know that at this time. So I'm yeah. seeing these people. I'm like, well, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like, yeah. I'm just a chump. Well, I need to be curious, in this just a side note, because I think we both see that a lot even now. Like, what is what drives people to like, I mean, I kind of, I can answer it, but it's incredible the amount of people that claim to make more than they do. Like, I remember reading, like, it's, I think it's only... 5% of the country makes six figures or something. But if you go on TikTok, everyone's a millionaire. And so it's like, it's yeah. still this fascinating thing that like all these people in our world too, in the marketing world, talk about how much money they make. And you're like, but you don't like, and why even like, what does it, all you attract is like the lowest common denominator when you brag about how much money you're making. Yeah. I never tell anybody anything because it's none of their freaking business. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah what well, my theory on that is everybody takes their rounded up best month revenue yeah. They then run rate and project that out and decide that that's how much they personally earn, yeah. even though that's not how business works and it wasn't reality. Yep. But yeah, and that's yep. a lot of what was happening here as well. So that's I decided, okay, I've found my calling. I'm going to go into yep. financial services. This is what I'm going to do. And I actually yep. tried to get into the transfer into the business school, but I couldn't get into the business school because uh -huh. I made a C in Greek. Because again, I was going to go and be a minister. College. So I took ancient yep. Greek. Bad idea. Um, and so I've decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And I'm, and, and this guy that I'm working with, he's like, you know what? Normally our firm doesn't hire people right out of college. I'll have you join my team. Eventually you can take over my book. And wow. so I worked there hard while still having all of these little businesses, you know, yeah. on the side I met. So part of the reason I started my business, I didn't really say this, but the reason that I wanted to make money in college was I met a girl and uh -huh. I was like, this is probably the girl I'm going to marry. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I need to make some money and you know, save up for a ring and all this stuff. Yeah. Well, so we got engaged our junior year, got married the weekend after oh. we graduated, came back oh. from the honeymoon and I started my job at this financial services company. And two things happened that were the reason I only lasted for about six months yeah. there. So I went off and I, I did uh, training and all they're having to do at training is doing cold calling. Yeah. And I'm like, this sucks. This reminds me of when I was a little kid begging, hoping yeah. that the door, they didn't open the door, right? I hate this. This feels yeah. awful. I don't want to do this. And I remember when I was in training, they gave us a list of people to call. Well, right next to the phone number was the, their address. And I'm thinking to myself, I've read Dan Kennedy and Gary Halbert. I know how to do direct mail. Yeah. This is stupid. I'm just going to take my script that they've yeah. given me. I'm yep. going to turn it into a letter. I'm going to offer some kind of premium report that they want me to get send people anyway if they call back yeah. i'm going to print these suckers out i'm going to drop them in the mail and i'm going to send them yeah when i got back and i did that it worked great it worked so well that somebody from the head office from the corporate office came down to austin to learn what i was doing because they want to teach it to everybody else what's fascinating about that is because i've seen this a lot too is you know most people would feel guilty about not running their program or be like you know even you know i know i gotta make these cold calls but you know i there's something about actually doing what you want to do too and being okay with the fact that like, no, that's not where I'm going to succeed. Like I can't stand cold calling. I'm not going to be excited to get on the phone. I have to find an alternative. And you end up finding these alternatives that they had never done because everyone else just listened and just followed their script. It's, you know, yeah. it, it's interesting. Like I talk about like one of the, how I ended up really skyrocketing in e-commerce was because I turned down working for Warner Music and Live Nation because I didn't want to commute. Yeah. To East, you know, to Hollywood and Burbank. I was like, I don't want to drive out there. I want to be out here. Oh, there's this cool incubator. I'll join them. Like, and it's not just like a, and I heard this from you is what I heard you say there is it's not like, you know, I, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. Like it's some rebellious no, kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, this is, this doesn't make sense to me. This seems dumb. I have yeah. seen a better way. 
And so yeah. I'll just do the better way. Yeah. Now here's what I didn't know. <laughs> and what came up when that guy came out, he's like, so this is great. Love what you're doing here. Want to share it. By the way, how long did it take you to get this process approved by compliance? <laughs> <laughs> to which I responded, what's compliance? Which yep. he was a little bit concerned that one of their you know, brokers hadn't run all of this mass marketing through the compliance department and also didn't even know what compliance was. And yeah. so they were like, whoa, stop everything. You have to stop doing this right now. So that day, then, so that happened. I was like, they're like, yeah, you got to go back to doing cold call. You, you know, we got to get this compliance. It's going to take a few months. Two and I was months. like, okay, that sucks. And yeah. then, um, and then a couple days later, everybody's reports came out about how much they earned. You know, everybody was stack ranked, so you, you knew what everybody else was making. Yeah. And that's when I realized that it's only 40% of what their production yeah. was and everybody been lying this entire time. So I'm yeah. like, well, between, <laughs> but between uh, this, like me not being able to do it my way and finding out yeah. that everybody's been lying this, in, this entire time and I'm not gonna make as much as I thought I was, you know what, I'm making more screwing around with these little websites. I think yeah. I'm just going to do that full time. So I walked into my branch manager's office literally that day, yeah. told him, thanks for the opportunity. I quit. The broker I'd been working for was under, like disappointed, but yeah. you know, understood and was really cool about it. And that's kind yeah. of when, you know, I remember going home that day and telling my wife, yeah, yeah I quit. <laughs> and that was a, that was a weird day, but that was, you know, when you ask like that, how long did I work at that company? It was pretty much the only real job I ever had. Yeah. No. And that's, but it's also, again, it's actually two things there because you, obviously you've been very successful since, but you know, what they squandered is actually pretty interesting where they had someone that was a go-getter. And it's, it's something that I fight with my own business trying not to do is if you have someone young and hungry and coming up with new ideas, you got to be really careful not to throw compliance at them, which I understand the need for compliance, but you got to enable go-getters in your organization. Or if you don't build that culture, your growth really stagnates. Yeah, well, what do you know? The firm, which had been around for over a hundred years, uh, wound yeah. up going, uh, you know, belly up during the yeah. two thousand eight financial crisis. So yeah. perhaps a little innovation would have been good for him after all. Exactly. All right. So you leave. You continue building these websites. What? Give me what happened next. Yeah. So I, I, I got I got home, and the weight of what I had done didn't really hit me. I mean, I yeah. remember calling my dad and telling my dad, like, "Yeah, I decided I quit. I'm, I'm going off on my own." Yeah, and I had only worked in the real world in corporate America for six months. Yeah. Right. Remember, like I had just graduated from college. I had gone like, so for me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like I hadn't had a job for very long anyway. My dad's like, okay, yeah. but what do you do about like health insurance? You know, yeah. you're married now. Like what's yeah. happening there? And I was like, hadn't thought about it. You know, yeah. my wife and I had just bought a house. Yep. And she's like, yep. are we okay? Yep. And I was like, I think so. And, uh, and I remember she said the most terrifying words I've ever heard in my life. She said, okay, I trust you. Yeah. And I went, oh God, <laughs> it's suddenly <laughs> yeah. like the weight of that. Like, I don't know that I'm worthy of this trust, Yeah. but no, I, I, um, I'd love to say that, that when that happened, I just, you know, doubled down, hit the ground running and, and just crushed life. But man, I sat around and was about as inefficient and ineffective as you can be. I yeah. didn't really focus. I didn't really grow. I didn't know what it meant. Uh, to run a business. I didn't know what it meant to like manage my own time outside of that. And I'd say I wasted, you know, a good, you know, nine to 12 months. And what snapped yeah. me into it was one day my wife came in and said, Hey, uh, you know, that trip we were planning to Europe, we can't go anymore. Cause I'm pregnant. And yeah. that's when I said, okay, you better yeah. figure this out. Uh, you need to start treating this business like a business. And that's, you know, that's when I decided I was going to really double down and, and, and grow it. 
I'd love to tell you that I, um, you know, was able to just hockey stick up and to the right, but it was around that time, you know, most of everything I was doing was reliant upon organic search, Google in particular. And, um, Google did one of their very first algorithm updates. And I remember overnight, all of my sites were gone. And my income went wow. to almost nothing. And I got mad and I was like, that's it. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to shift everything over to paid ads. Yeah. And I did that. And in the process between trying to figure out paid ads and trying to continue to cover all of my, you know, just day-to-day bills, like cover mortgage yeah. and stuff like that, uh, I accumulated a quarter million dollars in uh, consumer debt. Oh, wow. Credit cards, Credit cards, yeah. lines of credit you know, yeah. all these other things to try to, that was essentially my seed capital for this, you know, new business. And dude, didn't even realize that I was doing it. Was really? so bad at managing money. So bad at just the basics of. And how are you, I mean, all credit cards are obvious, but how were you actually going to banks and asking for lines of credit for this and all that too? Well, so back then, if you could fog a mirror, a bank would give you an $80,000 line of credit. Right. Fair. I mean, a signature line yeah. of credit. Remember, this is yeah. pre-2008. This is pre yeah. all of that stuff. Right. If, if they would, you were getting letters in the mail saying, I had yeah. two signature lines of credit from major banks, one of them yeah. 45000 another one 80000 and then, you know, a number of credit cards with $25,000, dollars $40,000 limits on it. Yeah, I remember. It was like 2004. I was a freshman in... Or- 2004, no, five. I was a sophomore in college and I wanted a bigger uh, line of credit on my credit card. And I called the credit card company and said, hey, can I raise my line of credit? And they're like, well, how much do you make? I was like, I make a million dollars a year. They're like, okay, you've been approved for 30 grand. This is a 19 year old right. with no income. Like, right. What? It was all just, sign- it's the same way that, you know, people, I told people like, yeah, we bought a house right out of college. They're like, how'd you buy a house right out of college? Uh, well, I mean, there was, back then there were no doc, no yeah. income yeah. verification loans. Yeah. Uh, that with like these massive, you know, balloons on them. Right. And so we should have been able to, and had, and I almost, we almost lost the home, you yeah. know, had I not been able to get some stuff figured out. So I was about as messed up as you can be from a financial perspective. And that, that's why when I'm talking to, you know, entrepreneurs and, and, and look marketers as well, yeah. you have got to know your numbers. You yep. got to understand if you're a marketer, you got to know your unit economics. Yep. Right. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a human, you got to know your unit economics, right? How much are you bringing in? And so my net worth at that point was, was a negative quarter million dollars. And, um, and it wasn't until I tapped out all my lines, tapped everything out that I knew like, wow, this is bad. Yeah. The, I, then I, you know, hit the panic button. I don't know about you, man. I'm always at my best when my back is against the world slows down and gets really clear. I had at that point, yeah, hundreds of properties hundreds of properties. And I went one by one. I was like, how much are all of these making? And I find, I found there were like six or seven. It wasn't even 80, yeah. 20. It was like, yeah. you know, two ninety eight that were responsible for the vast majority. So I shut everything else down, you know, focused on those six and turned the economics of, of, of the business around and nice. uh, dug out of that quarter million dollar hole in a year. But do you know what wow. I didn't do in that year? I didn't pay taxes. So Fast forward a year, I'm now out of debt to the credit card company. I get a phone call. I'll never forget it. I got it was a uh, it was a Thursday or it was a Tuesday. No, Sunday night. That was it. It was a Sunday night. Sunday night. I get a phone call from my accountant. I now know it's bad when your accountant calls you on a Sunday night. Yeah, and generally. he says, "Hey, Ryan, just want to let you know. You know, we got uh, tax days coming up, April fifteenth on Thursday. Looks like you had a really good year last year. Yeah, which was true." I yep. now know it's bad when your accountant compliments you on what a good year you had last year. Yes, and he said. 
So just out of curiosity, like, have you made some quarterly payments and things like that that I'm not, you know, that I don't know about? And uh, I went, no, what do you mean? It turns out I owed about $242,000 to the IRS. So yep. I was back in debt, quarter million dollars again, but this time to an institution with freaking missiles. Yep. Man, I was just beat. I was undone. That was the, yep. the some of the lowest that I've, you know, that I've probably, you know, been and just sat on the couch and like cried like a little, like a little baby. And that's what people I think don't understand about building businesses. It's really, truly is high highs and low lows. Like whatever, what, I don't know how soon before that you paid off this debt that you were starting to become crushing. You figured it out. You did it. You got through it. You're like, fuck yeah. Now I'm going to start building like off of what I did. And then, oh no, you're back where you started. Like get back of the line, so to speak. Like, I'm sorry. It's exactly what? how it felt. Yeah. No, right. you're exactly right. I was like, yeah. we're free. We finally did it. Like yeah. I was broke. And I felt so good to be yeah. broke. It's like, we can start building up from exactly. here. Yep. I have the same experience, can. by the way. I paid off all my debt and I'm like, yes, wait a second. I'm flat broke, but this is great because I'm not like underwater. Yeah. <laughs> the nice thing though is I was really upset and, and um, I got a great wife. And, and I, I do believe that if you can find your vocation and you can find your partner early in life, it's such, yep. a, it's such a gift. It's such a blessing. It's a shortcut. Yep. Um, and she just listened to me. And, uh, and I said, uh, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. And she's like, okay. She said, I don't either, but I know you're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So when are you going to get to work? And I asked her, I said, can I have 24 hours to mope? And she said, you've got 24 hours. And so I moped all that night. I moped all the next day. Uh, I pulled an all-nighter and put together a bunch of offers and sent some stuff out and, and generated enough money within that next week to both send the IRS their money and to pay for the taxes based on the money that, you know, that we had right then and there. You made... Whatever and it was, five hundred grand. It was about four hundred grand. It was, yeah, it was three hundred and three hundred and thirty something thousand, I think, is what wow. it was. Uh huh. So in about four days, and just sent it all to them. I remember writing that check and saying, "You can just have it all," and yeah. then getting the feeling of relief and and what yeah. it felt like to actually be broke. <laughs> so and be broke and the feeling of like you can be a rainmaker. Like there's something that most people I don't think learn in their life of the ability to like really control your own destiny and like, Hey, I, this is where we're at. I'm gonna have to go figure something out. Whether it's took four days or four months, you were going to get something done and figure it out. And a lot of people throw their hands up. I mean, there's a lot of people that would have just gone bankrupt or I know a lot of people that have had similar tax situations that they finance it for 20 years with the IRS. So um, yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll be totally transparent. I didn't even know that was an option. Uh, if I yeah. had known that was Which an option, good. I might've taken yeah. it. People, yeah. people said like, why didn't you just, I told some, Hey, here's what I did. And like, why didn't you just do a workout or something like that? With was like a what? Yeah. <laughs> we got to so, talk about your accountant as well at the time, but <laughs> not my accountant anymore. Not even kidding. I absolutely fired the accountant after that. Oh, yeah. hundred um, percent should. Yeah. Like, I hate to yeah. say it. We don't need to name names, but that is a pretty ridiculous thing for an accountant to call you a few days before tax day. Be like, so uh, did you do anything here? It's like, did I do anything? What are you doing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you've been doing yeah. my books all year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So you're broke. How do you celebrate? Well then, I mean, what? Truly, we didn't really. I don't know about you, man. I actually don't celebrate wins. Yeah, I have, a, I have to force myself to. Yeah, and so we didn't do a big celebration there. I just remember having such a sense of, you know, of of, of relief. But I'll tell you, dude, I was tired. I was really, really, really tired. I was burned out. I kind of plotted along for another, you know, year or so, and the business was growing okay. But I ultimately was like, I'm not the guy anymore to do yep. this. You know, I mean, in listening now to to me tell this story, it's like I've never done anything right. And and I swear it's how it felt. I mean, obviously I was successful along the way, yep. but 
I never really allowed myself to celebrate and to feel the the big wins. Mm-hmm. And man, the losses and the kicks and the you know what were so significant that they yeah. they, they they more define the time than the wins do. Because yeah. after that, you know, you fast forward a couple of years. So that happened in 2009, uh-huh. right? Was when I finally dug myself out of you know yep. out, of, out of that hole. Because 2007, yeah, yeah, 2007 uh, was when you know, I like the big shakeup happened with, with Google and everything. That was the Florida update. And, you know, I spent a good 18 months getting into debt and, you know, another bit after that digging myself out. And then, so another two years goes by and the business is growing. Okay. But I'm so burnt out. I decided like, I got to bring somebody else in and, you know, brought in and outside. So I'm going to fire myself and bring in an outside CEO. Again, the worst freaking mistake. I did. Yeah, I did have a team. They were all reporting to me. Uh, you know, we didn't have good, really good systems or a good structure in place. And, and I just felt out of my depth and I, I didn't, you know, at every time I was always good at selling stuff. I was always good at marketing. I could, I could go and generate revenue, but it took me being in business for over a decade to finally learn what it means to actually run a business. Yeah. You know, as embarrassing as that is, like just yeah, basic cash flow management, like what is, a, you know, an income statement, balance sheet, yeah. statement of cash flow, like these things that are, that are truly business 101. I, I was over a decade into business before I, before I learned them. And so now the business is, I think at this point we're doing well over $10 million a year uh-huh. and I'm struggling. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're doing fine. I'm making pretty good money, but I'm, I'm missing every mealtime. I'm missing kids' yeah. soccer games and ballet recitals. Like I'm just not there because it takes everything I got. And so that's when I did sort yep. of throw my hands up. Like I'm fired. I'm firing yep. myself. I'm going to bring somebody else in. And God dang it, was that a terrible mistake? Uh, and yeah. I'm not saying that you can't do this, course, but yeah. I didn't really vet who I was looking for. Just, I saw somebody who I thought might be a fit. They checked enough boxes and it was like, here you go. And um, worse than that, I abdicated any and all responsibility to the business to them. I didn't check back in on things. You know, I didn't really ask questions when sales started going down and not up, when expenses started going up and not down. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't start asking a lot of questions when really talented people started leaving. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask questions when, you know, some of our best long-term customers were like, hey, I don't, things have changed. You know, I just head in the sand was like, I just can't go back. I can't deal with it. Well, I was going to say, when you're that burned out, it's hard. Like you finally get a reprieve, which is, you know, and you're just hopeful that you, I've had that happen so many times with hiring executives. I'm like, you got it. Great. I don't have to deal with it. For me, it's like that piece of it anymore. And then you go, shit, like after a little while. And if you, thankfully for us, when you do it with one piece of the company, it's easy to recover. But if you do it like you did with the leader, that's really hard. And I mean, and it was truly, it was a, you're the CEO now, I'm out. Yeah. You know, I mean, yep. it's, and that's just not how you do that. I know now there's better ways to do it, but it wasn't until like, you know, most valuable person in the company, number two, you know, our number two in the company was like, Hey, I'm, I just want to give you a heads up. I'm out. I can't wow. do this anymore. I'm leaving. Yep. That it was like, okay, this is, this is bad. Like that's what yep. it took. And so I went yep. in and fired the person and uh-huh went in and really started digging around in the bank accounts and it's like, oh, we're broke. Yeah. And I remember looking and, and we had about 40 something thousand dollars in the account was all uh-huh. we had. Cause I, I stopped looking at bank accounts. I was only looking at statements, which are easy to pencil whip. And yeah. I remember going and clearing out this person's office and lifting up their keyboard and yeah. under their keyboard were all of these envelopes, these bills that, that 
had essentially been tucked away and collectively those bills were over $50,000. Yeah. And there I am freaking broke again. Yeah. Right. And it's like, what are we going to do? And, um, did some promote, did some things and, you know, I didn't panic because having been here a couple of times, yeah, that's like, I know what we need to do, but it wasn't going to be enough. Yeah. And that's what's amazing about that, that muscle. Cause the stories you're telling a lot of people will probably listen and be like, holy crap, this is crazy. But you realize like, this is a very common path for a lot of entrepreneurs. Like you go through the shit. It is rare for an entrepreneur to never have an issue with having to make bill, pay bills with money they don't quite have. Like unless you were completely funded with billions of dollars forever, like you never, there's always a point where you're like, oh shit, like things are bad. And even when you're highly funded, it's a different challenge in terms of getting over those hurdles of trying to get the returns you have to to actually own anything of your business. So it's, yeah, it's, I, I think like it's, it, and what you just said is just really poignant, which is like, once you've been through it, you, the next time it happens and the next time it happens, it starts to just become like, okay, we, we've been through this fire drill. What do we do? We know the things to pull on. And so, yeah, really. Valuable. It's a muscle. It's scar tissue, yeah. right? I mean, it's, yep. you know, if, if you ever lift weights, right? I mean, it, it's, there's a tearing down that happens that, yep. that can be good. But what I'll say is, you know, if you're listening to this and being like, man, that guy's a freaking idiot. Like he should have learned. You're oh, right. I say no, none of are. this with any sense of pride, but just yep. know like there are some very basic things that you could do to not get yourself in these situations sure. that are just taught in every freaking business book. But I was yeah. just focused, like what I believed at the time is that if we grew enough, like if there was enough top line coming in, then surely something would trickle down to the bottom line. That's yeah. not true. Like you yeah. have to plan for profitability. I believe yeah. that if somebody had certain degrees next to their name, that surely they know how to run a business. Not true, right? You want to look for people who actually have a history, a reputation, like they, they, they have a, a track record of doing the thing that you're going to ask them to do and of taking a company to the next level and wait for it. Call the freaking references. Because yeah. I had I called even a single reference, yeah. any, any person that this person had worked with in the past, they all would have told me that person is a train wreck. They are a dumpster fire. Yeah. They are going to run your business into the ground because guess what? When it happened and I fired this person, they all called me. They yeah. said, oh man, sorry. You know, got you too? Like, why didn't any of you yeah. say? Yeah. And, and, and one, one person was somebody actually knew. Yeah. Well, that's the other people love to say after the fact, everybody loves to be the brilliant one. After. Oh yeah. I, should, I knew that was going to go bad. Oh yeah. Thanks. Good. You know, that's helpful for me yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't help. But yeah. I, I remember, you know, being back in that situation, let's do some things, but, um, we still weren't going to make it like we weren't, yeah. we were not going to be able to make payroll. And, um, so yeah. I was going to come into the office and let everybody know like, Hey, I'm sorry. Um, I was yeah. going to pull some money out of my own personal savings to cover the next payroll run. Because yeah. I didn't want anybody to not get paid for work they did, but say, right. the next one's going to be the last one. I'm sorry. And I remember yeah. walking in that day and my uh, director of you know, accounting, finance accounting met me at the door, who was, by the way, telling me the whole time, you need to look at this, you need to look at this, you need to look at this, yeah. this isn't going well. And I just wasn't listening, but came in and said, don't, don't do the layoff. Don't, don't fire everybody. I was like, why not? It's like, you won't believe what happened. He said, we, got an, we had an unexpected merchant reserve release of $80,000 just hit the bank account. We got this payroll and the wow. next one. Back then, you know, there wasn't Stripe and a lot of yeah. these other things. Like if, if you were doing online transactions of a lot of digital products, even e-commerce, you probably yeah. remember this, yep. you were the merchant accounts, you were considered high risk. And so yeah. you were going to have to build up, you know, a pretty significant merchant reserve. Well, yeah. we reached a point where contractually they had to release it to us because, you know, we were in good standing and $86,000 dropped in our bank account without even realizing it. 
Yeah. And I was like, we got it. We got, and so didn't have to do the layoff. And so lots of lessons learned, man. And I wish I could say that that was the last big stupid mistake I made. Uh, None of them have been quite that bad, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of what got me here today. And this is like, you said, like 2013, that's like 2012, 2013. Yeah. 2012, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. And so you jump back in maybe obviously reluctantly what you had to. And what was the name of the company, by the way? Back then it was called Idea Incubator. Because I was like, we're going to have this company that incubates all of our stupid, wild, crazy harebrained schemes. And I've always built companies that built companies. Like I've always had multiple businesses. I think you're, you know, you're the same way. It's why you and I, you know, I think, you know, got to be, got to be friends is because it's like, you know, I like building companies that build companies and acquiring companies. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's what it was. And so you jump back in and give me like, how was the path the next few years? So in the beginning it was fun because it it, it really felt good to come back. Uh, what yeah. I realized though is all the problems were still there. You know, I, yeah. I wanted to believe that when I came back, that it'd be like, you're welcome, everybody. I've returned. But the yeah. remaining people were pretty pissed off at me, yeah. understandably so. Um, yeah. And they, they, they didn't really trust me, mm-hmm. yeah, understandably so. I mean, I expected yeah. to kind of step in like some conquering hero. Yeah. And really, I was kind of coming back in like a cheating spouse almost. Uh, yeah. And I had to prove myself. And um, that was when I said, I need to not just learn how to be a marketer. I need to learn how to be a CEO, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and what does that mean? And, and, and realize that I should maybe take an accounting class, literally. And so I, yeah. you know, I started taking accounting classes, just learned like, what is this stuff? How does this work? You know, yeah. what are cogs? As simple as that sounds, but it's like, I'm going to learn how to do some of these things. And most of that, by the way, you don't really even need to know that. You know, I know yeah. that now. I, I felt like I had to check certain boxes, but really it came down to figuring out how do we as a company actually generate value? Like, what is our value creation process? Okay, who's responsible for doing this stuff? And then let's build systems around that. Let's hold people accountable to that. There's nothing just earth shatteringly, you know, difficult about it, but it really was getting down to the basics of let's visualize. How do we acquire customers? So that's where we developed the customer value journey. What we have at Digital Marketer, you know, our flagship framework, the eight stage customer value journey that came from us wanting to say, okay, how do customers happen? We yep. should answer that question, right? Yep. So let's, let's make sure we're clear on that. Because if I know how a customer happens, then, you know, I can hire somebody to say, make sure this keeps happening and make sure it gets a little better. This is what yep. you control. This is the visual representation of the value that you can generate. And each one yep. of these little pieces within it, you know, let's create some checklists and things around that. Okay. After somebody buys, now what happens, right? Yep. What is our fulfillment engine for that? And once we had that visualized and documented and we could build systems around it, then it was easy to hold people accountable to those things and to say, yeah. this thing right here, you do that. This other thing, person, you do this other thing. It was pretty simple. And then you build scorecards around that. So now we got yeah. some forward-looking metrics and you say, okay, how often do we need to inform people about these things? And what's our meeting rhythm? Yeah. It's just, it's not difficult stuff, but I wasn't doing any of that. What I was yeah. doing was I was vomiting ideas at people getting pissed off when they did did some of them, but not other ones, yet frustrated when they didn't grow what I thought they were supposed to be growing, when they tried new things and I thought they should be focusing on what was working or when they focused on what was working and never tried new things, yeah. right? There was never any actual leadership. There was never any actual strategic focus around anything. And yeah. so once that came in, that really is what uh, the better part of, and, and it really, honestly, 2016, by 2016, we finally had it pretty dialed in. That was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our first year where we went into the year saying, if we do everything, this is how much we should generate 
in revenue and yeah. profitability yeah. and it happened, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. And this is, how, but real quick, just for, again, a reminder, like this is what, 15 years into business? I made my first sale online in 1990. Yeah. So there you go. So you know, I, I went full time and left my job in, in, uh, uh, May in, when was it? It would have been about May. It was summer of 2003. Okay. So, so let's say 13, yeah. you were doing it on the side for three, but the 13 years into business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's, yeah. it, it took a long time to, to figure and it, but again, it took me a decade. I was 10 yep. years in the business before I even realized I should do any of that stuff. Right. And then yep. three years to learn it and to actually get it yep. dialed in, man, that's a pretty slow learn like that. Yep. Really? You can figure, you can figure out the need earlier and you can yep. sure as hell figure out how to do it faster than that. So yep. if nothing else, I hope I'm making people feel better about their own chances out there. <laughs> um, but what I'll say, man, if you can make money, if you can just not run out of cash, yep. and you can buy yourself another day, that's the only thing I've ever been able to do. Just yep. don't run out of freaking money. Go yep. get money, get cash. That's going to buy you an extra day to make yep. up for all of the areas where you suck. And I'm yep. thankful uh, then yeah. I didn't run out of cash, you know, during this. Thing. I love this. What we used to talk about, thankfully we're a little more stable now, but in the early days it was like, God, if it wasn't for the fact that people just loved our service, this whole company would be a disaster. Cause like we made every mistake in the book, tax bills that came up that were like, wait, how much do we owe to who? Why? Like all the things you're saying are just very familiar because you think, and you know, I did have like a decent head for numbers and I ran our own books. Like that part wasn't an issue for me, but Still, when you're building a business fast, you miss things. We even like you, you talked about like those don't go away. Our my most recent one was, you know, we got it so excited. We expanded, I think it was to 41 states during COVID. Like we we're like, let's just hire everywhere. Let's go wide. Well, it turns out you have to pay taxes in 41 states now yeah. and you have to file things in 41 states. And we didn't do that. So now we have to pay penalties in 41 states. And don't get me wrong, we're okay. But it was like, it was a, a nice speeding ticket, which is what we always mm -hmm. end up calling them. We were just speeding through like that's a great idea let's go and then oh shit this is going to be expensive so yeah it's it's just part of it but as you said if you can generate business and have a good product or service and build it, it lets you get away with a lot of problems i love that speeding ticket i'm gonna have to remember that one i think that's yeah. a good uh i think that's a good analogy yeah so all right so 2016 you got you hit your projections you do well how, how have things progressed the past few years you know it, i mean it's been better but it's not like it's without its ups and downs i mean uh -huh. we've experienced i remember 2016 was great but kind of the team that got us there they were all of a sudden ready to go you know spread their wings and fly and do other things so then we had this yeah. like right when i feel like this is awesome we finally yeah. got to figure it out we got the right team they all freaking left yeah like they all left yeah. Like they all left. I was like, God dang, I got to build it again. Um, yeah. And I remember then like that hurt. It like hurt, like it hurt my feelings. Cause it's yeah. like, this wasn't my fault. Like we did like all the other times when it, when things went sideways, it, I can blame myself. Yeah. And I was comfortable with that because if it's my fault, then I can fix it. Yeah. And on this one, it's like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like why they leave. And yeah. it really took working through and talking to some mentors and being like, they left because you did a good job. You know, yeah. they left because they have opportunities to go somewhere else because of their time here. And, yeah. and, and I kind of, I had to learn that, that, you know, we're not a family. Business is not family. It's a yeah. team that's and people exactly. are going to leave and that's okay. Yeah. And, 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 and what I learned is that it's, it's a good thing when good people leave, when good people yeah. leave good companies, good companies get great because new yeah. people come in and you're yeah. shocked at how smart the new people are. Yeah. And all the new ideas they bring, but they get to build upon the foundation of others. So, yeah. you know, so it's been challenging. I mean, you know, figuring out how to run 
you know, multiple companies within the company through, uh, you know, we had some pretty significant uh, exits. And, you know, in, in between that time, we sold, uh, you know, our big event traffic and conversion summit in 2018, uh, which yeah. was great to, to sell that. I mean, that was a massive, again, getting back to people lying about how much they make. I've read articles about how I made like a hundred million dollars on that sale. Yeah. It's like, that's not true. I don't know who told you that. Um, <laughs> it's so fun. But um, I, I remember the first time I found out that the most Googled thing about me was my net worth. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. What a, yeah. What a bunch of miserable things. Anyway, yeah. so that was great. But now it's, okay, what does it mean to deal with a, with an exit and an integration on this side while also running what we have here? Yeah. You know, I dealt with, um, you know, with a, a breaking up and a buyout of a, of a long-term partnership uh, in, yeah. in 2019. It was yeah. good. It was the right thing. It was time. You know, business partnerships they're not necessarily designed to last forever. And this one had, had run its course and, you know, had made lots of money and still dear friends to this day, but it was time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But dealing with that, like the, the, you know, kind of the particulars around, well, how do we divide this stuff up and who goes where and what, what yeah. happens? Like that's, that's tough just from an administrative. And then you throw in the emotional yeah. aspect of it. That was, it's, you know, and then you come back in, I'm like, cool, 2020, this is our year. We finally got it. We got everything yeah. dialed in. Woo. Let's get out there and do it. Yeah. This is year one, baby. And then, of course, yeah. what happens in 2020, you know, yeah. which, by the way, what happened in 2020, it was one of our best years ever. Yep. But we were so freaked out the entire time, we didn't even enjoy it. That's exactly it. We had the same experience. It was like, it was our yeah. best year ever, but it was hard to enjoy. Couldn't enjoy it. So, yeah. man, this just is is such a ride. And, yeah. um, and I don't know if my desire to continue to stay with it is because this is like a calling and this is important. It's what I meant to do. Or if I am just, if it's just such like Stockholm syndrome kind of thing, and I'm so utterly broken as a human that I just can't leave it. But that's where I am, you know, yep. and it, it really is. It's like, I don't, cause I got enough. I'm good. I could, yeah, I was gonna say, I don't think it's a broken thing. Like I just be, cause I, everything you're saying obviously resonates a ton. And I, I think it's actually like, as much as it's a crazy roller coaster, once you get to that point that you know, like you're good, like you've made enough money, you sold that piece of your company, et cetera, like your family's going to be fine. Then it's just a challenge. It's not a life or death situation, though sometimes it feels that way when things are falling apart. But at the end of the yeah. day, it's like, it's super engaging. And I, I, I was funny enough on another person's podcast earlier today and was talking about like, I'm never bored. And I think the idea of boredom scares me much more than the idea of dealing with the shit show that is running a business. And so it, it's super engaging. I think, the, listen, there's a little bit of masochism in that, but I think it's like, yeah. it's, it's also really, en again, engaging. Yeah, I've often said, I wonder what it would be like to be bored. I've said yeah. it to my wife before. Because yep. our kids, our kids are always like, I'm bored, I'm yeah. bored. You know, yeah. I got a 15 year old. He lives in a perpetual <laughs> state of just general teenage boredom and malaise. And I'm like, man... But yeah, so my, it, it's funny because my, my people ask me if, you know, do you want your kids to be entrepreneurs? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I want them to do it if they want to do it, but right. I don't know that I would wish this thing that we do on somebody unless they knew what they were getting into. And if anybody knew they were getting into it, I don't know that they would take it. So I really do think it's, it's kind of a calling uh, yeah. in that perspective. I agree with you. I mean, my, my dad and grandfather were entrepreneurs, but my siblings are not, and they're super bright, ambitious people, but they're, I can tell like, they're, listen, there's a lot of peace and not being where the buck stops. 
Like if there's a big problem, at the end of the day, you get to pass it up until you're at the top. And then if you're that leader, you get to deal with the biggest problems of the company. And that's just what you sign up for, whether you're CEO or a founder. It's just the head of the company is going to deal with that. So I got two last questions for you. Number one, what's next? What's coming down the pike? You know, again, having said all this, this sounds kind of funny. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, we are, um, you know, we, when we sold Traffic Converter Summit, sold off all of our e-commerce and consumer brands, what we're building right now at the Scalable Company is really an ecosystem um, to support entrepreneurs at all these different levels. So uh, Scalable.co is there for entrepreneurs. Digital Marketer is there to support the marketers. Uh, we're going to do the same thing on the leadership side and just to surround entrepreneurs with this nice. network. And I want to, you know, buy businesses of all different yeah. shapes and sizes, I you know I invest in the stock market like I think anybody else yeah. does index funds. But I, I'm not a real estate guy. I, I want to build a portfolio of businesses that you know working with founders and entrepreneurs that I love. And so really, what we're building here is kind of the ultimate deal flow engine uh, yeah. of of small uh, bootstrap businesses. Same kind of thing that you're doing on the agency yeah. side. Um, yeah, no, and I, I, I agree with you. Fun, man. Owning operating businesses is so much more rewarding than any investment property or any investment period. And I have a huge real estate portfolio and a stock portfolio and crypto and all that. But owning businesses is by far the best. You, you'll grow them way faster. They cash flow, which people miss. I mean, e-real estate does too, but the cash flow of a business generally is going to be a lot better than a piece of real estate from an enterprise value to, or like an asset value to a cash flow standpoint. And I can add value to a business without swinging a, you know, a hammer. So um, that's what I like. I like to be in places where I can add value, make sure I'm not dead yep. yet. Agreed with that. So last question for someone just getting started on their journey, someone, whether they're, you know, in middle school, high school, or someone that's been working a job that they hate and want to get out and take a swing at something. What's one piece of advice you either got or wish you got that kind of drove you to where you are? Pay yourself, pay yourself a lot of money. Yep. And it is uh, counter to what you will hear out there. They'll say you need to pour it all back in your business. Uh, my experience has been exactly the opposite. I have been at my best when, um, when I haven't worried about tomorrow. It allowed me to think yep. about the next week and the next month and the next year. It also keeps you honest. I got in the most debt when I wasn't paying myself well. Um, yep. If you're unable to pay yourself your salary, uh, then that is going to be a sign, a clue, a signal that something's broken in your business. And that's going to mm-hmm. cause you to dive into the numbers and learn how to actually do business. So I would say pay yourself first, pay yourself early and pay yourself a lot of money. Uh, yep. You should be making a crap ton of money because frankly, you're working harder and taking a lot more work than it, taking on a lot more risk than anybody else. Great advice. Well, Ryan, this has been awesome. Thank you for coming on Hawk Talk. Thanks for having me. Hawk Media is your outsourced CMO and marketing team. We'll dive into your business for free, identify opportunities in your marketing strategy, then get you teamed up with individual experts, all month to month and a la carte. Whether you're looking for a Facebook advertiser, a web designer, or a fractional CMO, we can help you drive growth for your business. We've successfully grown over 2,500 brands, and we're here to help you too. No matter your goal, we've got you covered. To learn more, visit hawkmedia.com. That's hawk with an E, media.com. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.